Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Daily Energy News Beat stand-up here on this gorgeous Thursday, January 19th, 2023. As always, I'm your humble, humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, doing a solo show. Stuart is currently flying back from presenting at the World Economic Forum in Davos. He was actually on a panel today with Al Gore and Larry Fink and SBF just expounding on uh, world affairs. So we look forward to a report back from Stu at Davos. Um, A quick programming note, I will be gone tomorrow and Sunday doing some undisclosed items. And so you will have to deal with Stu as a solo show. So I'll go ahead and apologize up front for that. I will do my best to hold down the fort tonight. And then starting next Tuesday, you get us back together in full force. Um, I still have a great show for everybody today. It's going to lean way towards oil and gas. Gas one, because that's what I love. And two, that's really what I'm seeing is some of the key, key things going on today. We're going to start by talking about OPEC and how they're expanding. And uh, there's this article called OPEC expands control of the oil markets as U.S. shale growth stalls. It's really kind of a holistic view, taking into account some of the EIA numbers um, or excuse me, the IEA numbers coming out today. And then looking back on the Dallas Fed survey, it's a great article here talking about how OPEC is probably going to become you know, taking control back away from shale oil. I think there's some interesting nuggets here. We'll cover that. Uh, the next thing we have to cover is just really what happened with oil prices today. We were up all the way to about $82 off some great China demand forecast. And then all of a sudden we hit a wall with some comments by two Fed presidents, which, you know, oil being tied to the dollar when the dollar fails and interest rates may go up. That's what's look happening there. So we'll cover what that means. Natural gas also took a hit as we just see some more and more weather. The Overall markets didn't do well. We were down about a percent and a half on the SPY. NASDAQ dropped 1.2 percentage points. Um, we'll cover what that means. And we have a big, big divestiture coming out of the Eagle for Chesapeake. As you know, they have been marketing their assets for a while, all of their non-core assets, including their South Texas assets in the Eagle for. They just announced that they are selling that a portion of the Eagle Ford assets for 1.425 billion to white. Wildfire Energy. They are a uh, uh, private equity company backed by Kane Anderson and Warburg Pincus. So um, we will dive in to some of the details and what this might mean for the Eagleford going forward. Um, I'll wrap it up with a couple other thoughts just to get you kicked over to the next day, but otherwise we'll keep it short. Um, before we get going, guys, again, check us out. World's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com, dashboard.energynewsbeat.com. The best way to stay up to date with all of your energy news, that dashboard in my opinion, is the best place that combines some key high-level data. We'll get crude oil and natural gas storage numbers tomorrow, which we'll, um, I, I guarantee we'll cover here in a little bit. 
you can check those numbers out there. We constantly update it daily. We're on like two week sprint. So we've got a dev call right after this. So I got to get the show recorded, get on a dev call to bring you guys what you need. I mean, I'm, it's, 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 I'm slaving for you guys. So please check it out. Dashboard.energynewsbeat.com. We appreciate it. World's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com. But enough of the pleasantries. I want to start with the, the first article I mentioned with is OPEC expands control of oil markets as shale growth stalls. I, I think this is an extremely interesting article. One, because it and I think is it, we're beginning to see a trend here, and I'll read the, the 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 top paragraph. After a decade of exponential growth, the U.S. sale patch is no longer the swing producer in the global markets. That role is now back in the hands of OPEC and its largest and most influential members in the Middle East. Analysts and industry executives say. Now, as you're reading every article, your flag should be going up. Who are these analysts and industry executives? Well, I'll tell you who one of them is: Goldman Sachs Jeff Curry. You know where I stand on Goldman Sachs. You know, if if they should change their logo to them riding a bull, I think they are the bullish. I think they are the who are the people that put up a red flag, a red flag and the bulls run through. They are like bull dancers or whatever they're called. They love them some bulls, you know, so. You know, one of the top headlines says Goldman Sachs, Jeff Curry sees OPEC's control over oil markets growing this decade. Okay. Okay. So that's the analysts and energy executives. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. So here we go. A number of factors have combined in recent months to weigh on U.S. shale production growth. Hmm, I agree there. From capital discipline to label shortages, from a lack of external capital to cost inflation and high interest rates, from exhausting prime locations to drilling to drill to steeper drops in wealth productivity over time. Holy smokes, whoever wrote that paragraph hit the nail on the head. It's happening right now in U.S. shale. Things are way too expensive relative to the amount of tier one acreage available. There's not that much tier one acreage available. And all of these other things we issued, labor shortage, high interest rates, that's killing us. Trust me. Exhausting of prime locations. Nobody's selling tier one acreage because tier one acreage is making you extreme amounts of money. But tier two acreage, tier three acreage doesn't, it looks good. It doesn't look great. And if all of a sudden AFEs are 30% higher on a per well basis, Eek. Eek. So what does that mean? Well, I think there's 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 this interesting quote here. A total, and this is this 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 comes from the article, a total of 32 EMP executives selected cost inflation and or supply chain bottlenecks as being the biggest drag on the firm's production. 27% chose maturing asset base, 16 indicated availability of capital, other options received nine or less. Okay, so this is a quote from one executive at an EMP firm that said that it was in the comments of the Dallas Energy Fed survey. Geopolitical risk, economic uncertainty, material and or labor shortage in an administration that is hostile to the industry. Okay. I get it. You got to get your little jab at Biden in there for guys like Stu um, have made it difficult to project what the next 12 to 18 months will be like for the upstream set. So, I mean, I hit the nail on the head. I think of all of that, you know, as much as Stu, you know, wants to, you know, and I think that this administration hasn't done a great job with oil and gas. I mean, they did say they want to shut down all oil and gas, but I mean, that's just them pandering their base. I don't think they're actually going to do that. I don't think they're swift enough to actually do that. Now they've done what we've talked about a lot with Stu is, you know, regulation through or, or let regulation through legislation. So I'm not saying they're doing a great job, but I think of all of those things that they've listed, I don't think politics is really number one. I think that's four, five, six on the list. As much as, you know, politics plays a big role in what goes on in our industry. In this case, I think there's all these other factors. And I just think this article does a really, really, really good job of laying out, you know, why open. 
mainly why U.S. shale has probably peaked and may not necessarily peak and why the idea that next year and that this year in 2023, we're going to reach 12.4 million barrels out of the Permian, which is the forecast via the EIA's uh, uh, January estimates, that's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. And if if we're going to continue to grow year over year over year, you know, something's got to give. It's got to become cheaper to drill. Prices need to go through the roof. Availability of capital needs to go up. All these things need to happen, and then you'll get back onto a growth. So I would check this article out, guys. Again, OPEC expands control of the oil markets as shale growth stalls. I just noticed in here, we have Inveris expects global demand growth at 1 million barrels per year, half driven by the Chinese reopening. They also said that um, U.S. oil supply will be modest this year at around 400,000 barrels, um, exit to exit at the end of 22, according to Inveris Intelligence Research. So- and Varys thinks so. So, you know, who knows? Who really does know? But I think the tea leaves are out there from what we saw in the Dallas Fed survey. Do I think a lot of the stuff that this article tightens up that, you know, while I think the Permian is clearly the place to be in the oil and gas business, you know, it's it's really you're there or else you're out of the game. And so I think the divestiture we're going to talk about, it will be a very interesting example of how some of these maybe non-core asset um, divestitures play out for the buyers, not the sellers. I think Chesapeake may be made a great decision selling, but I think it's pertinent that we first cover, I think what just happened in the overall markets today, guys, I think from an overall economic standpoint, we have the SPY was down 1.5 percentage points. NASDAQ dropped 1.2 percentage points. Mainly what we're seeing here is Microsoft and uh, Amazon came out and said they're going to be laying off jobs. Um, it just all signs point to an upcoming recession. I don't think the I don't think it can be really any clearer than that from uh, the signal standpoint. Now, the question is what 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 happens going forward? But you know that seems to be the sentiment moving. And that really is what impacted oil prices. I mean, we had two things really interesting happen today. The EIA came out and it expected a million barrel uh, along with Inveris, you know, they, they, Ooh, Inveris got the same number as the EIA, good for the, or the EIA, the IEA, the International Energy Research, good for that. But a 1 million barrel demand growth, we're looking at about like 104.9 million barrels um, of, of of oil demand. Um, that um, drove oil all the way up to about $82, $83. And then oil hit a wall at about $8, $8.15, tumbled all the way down to where we're currently trading at here on the 18th at about 6.21 p.m., uh, 79.45. And that I mean, mainly has to do with the weakness of the dollar. We had Fed Fed president. Let me let me pull up the uh, the quote here. Give me a second. Yes, Fed chair. Uh, St. Louis Fed President James Bullard and Cleveland Fed President L'Oreal Master said rates needed to rise beyond 5% to control inflation. Oh, that's not good. We were hoping five probably was going to be the cap. Clearly, it's not. You know, that bar probably would be moved to six now. And with 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 um, the dollar tanking, you know, that's what's going to pull down crude oil prices. And so, again, we're in this mode of China can do so much with their demand, with demand-wise reopening. And then what's going on with this recession? We are sort of in a wait and see period. So, you know, it was great to see that temporary spike above 80, but you know, hey, hey, I mean, 79, $80, it's all the same. So you're making, if you can't make, if you're making money at 83, you're probably going to make money at 70. So in the grand scheme of things, is it that big of a difference? No, but it's just interesting how these, um, two macro events, you know, play off of each other and you can so clearly see it in the charts. Um, moving over to natural gas, um, we're currently trading at $3.32 right now. That's again, a nice tumble from earlier today. Mainly, there's a massive supply demand imbalance that's um, going on right now. We've seen that in the last two EIA storage. We've had builds 
in our crude oil or in, excuse me, in our natural gas storage, which is absolutely insane. We're using drawing. Usually we in winter, we are drawing from storage. So getting builds, which we had last week was absolutely incredible. We'll find out those new storage numbers tomorrow or today as you're listening to this podcast. Um, range of expectations, 13 to 81 draw from our natural gas reserves. Last year, there was an uh, last year there was a draw of 203. So I mean, you got to give, it's going to be a modest draw, even if there is, you know, it's like last week and we get a positive draw. Holy smokes. I don't know. You know, we might see $2.90 gas and that's not necessarily good for everyone, for anyone, uh, especially these White Hawk resource or these Wild Horse resource guys. They just dove into some Chesapeake assets. So um, we'll get that we'll get those numbers tomorrow again. Matt gas trading at three dollars and thirty-two cents. Um, we also did get the I'd be remiss if I didn't say we did get the API estimate of the EIA's crude oil storage tomorrow. Both the EIA um crude oil storage and natural gas storage numbers drop Thursday or today versus um on Wednesday, which is when they normally do it. Um, and that was due to MLK. Um forecast a negative uh 1.7 million barrel draw. Ooh, they got a they got a 7.6 million barrel build. So, you know, taking that into account account on top of all of the other supply imbalances. It's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see where things go. So um, I, as Stu would say, buckle up, people. I think the last thing that we need to cover really before I let you guys get out of here is this acquisition. Well, I think there's two things. First, Permian Resources Corporation. We love them. Ticker symbol PR. They announced that they've entered, they've done a series of portfolio management transactions, compromising of a bolt-on transition, a divestiture of non-op production acreage, and a divestiture of a portion of its water infrastructure assets all in Reeves County. So to give you an idea, they acquired 40,000 net leasehold acres, 3,300 net royalty acres, and 1,100 barrels of oil equivalent per day, about 73% of that oil of net production located in Leah County, New Mexico, from an undisclosed third party for a total purchase price of $98 million. Um, They've also divested some non Non-op in Reeves County, consisting of about 1,800 BOE per day at 40. 40- 4% oil, 3,500 net leasehold acres to an undisclosed third party for 60 million, which reflects a valuation multiple greater than that of five times or five times 2023 estimated EBITDA. Whoop, whoop, PR guy of the week, whoever this is. Let's scroll down. Five times EBITDA. Love that. Love that. Hayes Marbury, Senior Director, Investor Relations. Love it. Now, it'd be very interesting to see how they come up with their EBITDA estimates as it's a non-gap number, but you know, we think it's good. That investment acreage represents a substantial majority of the company's non-operated position in Texas and includes minimal retaining inventory. Um, they've also sold um, 300 net acres in Eddy County for $35,000 an acre. My goodness, $10 million for just acre. I mean... People are buying acreage for good prices, though. Um, and then finally, midstream infrastructure transaction. They signed definite agreements to an undisclosed party that they would divest a portion of its saltwater disposal wells and associated produced water infrastructure in Reeves County for $125 million. The full consideration we received at closing with $60 million subject to repayment of its certain thresholds, tides to permit resources, future drilling activity, and service over the next years if they are not met. They expect to retain full consideration based on its current development plan. The counterparty has a strong record of operating midstream assets and the divested infrastructure has ample capacity to service the company's future proceed needs. The transaction will close first quarter of 2023. So three moves announced, you know, 
Hey, people are making moves out there. If you're trying to get in on the action, there's never been a good time. People are trying to wheel and deal right now. I think the biggest transaction we heard about today was Chesapeake Energy Corporation announcing the sale of a portion of their Eagleford assets in South Texas, which they have been marketing for a little bit about you know eight eight months now. Ever since Kimbridge came out and was trying to you know basically get them divest the whole thing. So you know if, if you wonder how much power Kimbridge has, I mean they're 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 at the heart of this pushing for something like this. So they go ahead and sell off a portion to White. Wild horse for one point four two five billion. You know, it was about three hundred and seventy thousand acres, thirteen hundred wells in Brazos Valley, uh twenty-seven thousand seven hundred barrels of oil equivalent during the third quarter. Uh that's per day. So that's per day. Net proven reserves, those are the properties were uh sixty or ninety-six point eight million. A lot of reserves, a lot of reserves. So here we go. Chesapeake expects the transaction to close first quarter of 2023. They will receive $1.2 billion upon closing, sub- subject to customary adjustments. Man, I'd love to be the person that makes that tr- makes that transfer. And I always see that pop into a bank account. Um, with the additional $225 million to be paid in yearly installments of $60 million over the next three years and $45 million in year four. Chesapeake can basically use proceeds to repay borrowings under its revolving credit facility and be available for its share repurpose program. All right. I think this is interesting for a lot of reasons. One, you know, it shows that Kimbridge has insane um, pull on that um, board. Um, they're a minority shareholder. They've been buying um, interest for years now and have been pushing to consolidate in, you know, the Marcellus um, and such um, and, and and some of their uh, scoop assets. Um, so I think this is a big move going forward to sell, excuse me, their Haynesville assets, excuse me. So... I think for Chesapeake, this obviously gives them some flush cash right now. It allows them to to, to work around and give them some uh, give them some running room. I think for Wild Horse, which is a a Warbird Pincus and Kane Energy Kane uh, Energy Partners, you know, it's private equity. You know, Warbird Pincus just came off a couple divestitures. They've got some money. They've got to deploy some money. Is this is the Eagleford assets or these South Texas assets them? I mean, you you think so? The thing is this. 377 net acres. There's room, there's running room there. And you can, I mean, you know, one point, you know, 1.4 billion is a lot. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, can you flip that into four in two years? I don't know. You know, when we look at the, you know, it's 85% liquid. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, where do we see, where do you see prices going? And, you know, because again, that's going to help in the valuation down the road. Again, you don't want to necessarily be looking at an insane, what pricing environment's going to be just run strip when you're doing your analysis. But if you're going to think about this from a macro level, you know, are you going to be able to grow this asset into a four or five, $6 billion asset? And then who, who, who's going to divest of this? Who's then the, you have to second order think who's then the buyer down the road, who wants to buy this asset in the future? Is it going to be a, a big company? Is Chesapeake going to get back into South Texas? Is Exxon going to buy it from South Texas? Or are you just going to cash flow the thing? Is this thing just, are you hoping this thing that in six years will just cash flow positive and that you'll you know, maybe, I don't know, be interesting. You know, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be cheap to, cheap to operate these these wells trust me um so again very you know i think for chesapeake this is a win for wild horse we'll see the proof's in the pudding if they can flip flip this asset or they can you know drill it out and 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 you know and and bring that value up to where they can you know they can you know they can do some interesting things who knows but if i had to pick a side on this one i'm going with chesapeake which is rare um which is rare that i side with somebody like chesapeake but i only can be fair 
Yeah, I'm looking at my notes here, guys. I think that's about all I've got. So I don't want to keep you too long. Thank you for letting me listen here and lecture on oil and gas. Hopefully, Stu will be back tomorrow from Davos, assuming his he doesn't die. The blood ritual that he does over there goes well. He'll be back and you get more of an energy taste. But we appreciate it, guys. For Stuart Turley and Michael Tanner, guys, we'll see you tomorrow. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.